Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Music Lab Podcast. My name is Dog, and I am so excited to be back with you for another episode. And in this episode, we're doing a Zoom interview with Alex from Weird Fishes. Welcome, Alex. Hey, everybody. Hi, Dog. How's it going, brother? So, guys, as always, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, do all that fun stuff on our social media pages, as well as our YouTube channel. Check out our sponsor, RAR Outfitters, R-A-W-R, outfitters.com for all your Christmas clothing and all that fun stuff. So let's dive right in, Alex. So you guys, for the audience that is not familiar with you, you are a fish and radiohead mashup band is that fair to say yeah yeah totally fair <laughs> hate to say, hate to have labels for anybody but you know it, it, no, it might be unfair to say it any other way i think yeah <laughs> so are you a radiohead guy or are you a fish guy oh i'm both uh and i've been more of one or the other over different periods of time um but at this point i'm pretty firmly planted in both uh it's a little hard to be as active of a radiohead guy um when fish is uh out there touring like you know every year very consistently and you know it's it's, it's an easy thing to be so involved in on a regular basis how many shows have you seen from each band uh radiohead i've only made it to two but i've seen a tom york solo show and i saw the smile recently too um and then fish i think 52 or something around there yeah yeah how about you well so it's it's interesting i i um my first concert ever was alanis morissette at Hershey Park Stadium in 1996. And this little band from Scotland opened up for them, Radiohead, on wow. that tour. Okay. And it was great because they were like, uh, and I've read about this since then, like they were road testing a lot of stuff for OK Computer. So like we heard stuff that, you know, was eventually going to be on the album. They were and opening they said, for Alanis Morissette? They opened for Alanis Morissette. I think it was 13 or 18 dates <laughs> that they did. Um, and yeah, so, and he said that, Tom said that in an interview that um, a lot of the fans booed them most nights because they were there to see Alanis, you know. <laughs> you know? He also um, seems like the kind of person who might, he might like to believe that they were booing him. Or <laughs> yeah, it, it's part of the course. <laughs> so yeah so i've seen radiohead uh 14 times and then fish i really you know i think you know and we can talk about this at length because you know fish is one of those bands you can do that but i didn't really get into fish until about five years ago um i knew about them all my friends were like what are you doing why aren't you listening to them and i don't know i just don't think i was ready for that you know journey and then yeah. Once I got onto it, man, I, I'm with you. Like it's, it's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So I think I've seen them now four times. I've seen Trey, I think three times. And we saw the Tabush 
Taboose tour last year uh, with nice. Trey and Goose. That was up in Albany, actually, uh, where you oh, guys awesome. are playing this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Um, so, yeah. So what? why do this? Why do this mashup? What was the inspiration? Tell, talk about the history of the band for the audience. Um, yeah, so it started uh, really as a joke. Um, I was, I don't know, I was really into fish and I was, me and Josh, me and Josh make a lot of music together uh, outside of this as well. Josh is a violinist, another singer. Um, but, and we were roommates, you know, for, for a long time. Um, but I was just made a joke to him because I, uh, we, he, we would always, uh, I guess, yeah, he, we would joke about, you know, like, oh, fish fans kind of just end up shoehorning everything back into fish somehow. So I was on a, on a tear with that a little bit. And I was like, oh, I think we were listening to Radiohead and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, there's a band called Weird Fishes and they did Radiohead in the style of fish. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, um, and we had a laugh and then I played, I just played the chords for Paranoid Android, uh, like in like a funky style just to mess around and continue our little joke. And I was like, Oh, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it's actually pretty sweet. And then, you know, we thought about it a little more and I was like, you know, like both these bands are actually rooted in, I, you know, I think of them as very, very, very different bands, but then musically I thought about them and they're both kind of just rooted in jazz. Um, just, you know, fish is taking the, uh, playful improvisational more joyous side of jazz or not necessarily joyous but just like you know just playful and out there and but and radiohead's taking the melancholy side of jazz and uh and i think there's really a lot more common ground musically than uh than you than you'd initially think or there there is a lot more common ground musically than i initially thought so so that was kind of the impetus for it and then we we reached out to a venue uh thunder road uh rest in peace that was a great boston uh, or somerville area venue um that went under during the pandemic uh, we reached out to them and they were like yeah great idea and i i in my email i think i said i had i had i was like oh we we have a band we're doing okay computer uh, all the way through mm. just to, like see and they got they got, got back to us real quick and then we were like oh we got to put a band together. We, we they, they were down. Like we, we booked the show. They were like, they gave us a Friday night. Um, so yeah. So then, uh, we got the ball rolling. That was 2019, correct? Uh, that instance and email took place in 2000 at the end of 2018, but then our first show is in 2019. Yeah. So you kind of touched on the pandemic obviously starting right before the pandemic well about a year before the pandemic talk about how that changed your kind of philosophy on the band like you know did it kind of put everything at a standstill or or you know talk about that like transition honestly it did put things at a total standstill we were not uh we didn't have any sort of like I mean, we had like so, oh, some social media and stuff, but we didn't really have like an infrastructure or anything where like we could really be benefit, like uh, using the pandemic to our benefit. Like I think, think some other bands were able to. Um, I think maybe if we'd you know gotten it together a little more and done like some had had more confidence doing like streams and stuff, like 
maybe that that would have been a good idea um but i think you know post post pandemic it's been it's been great to be playing shows and you know i think we have more mo momentum now than i mean I, we definitely have more momentum now than we did back then so that's good but yeah it was an absolute standstill <laughs> not for all of us musically not for any of us musically but for weird fishes uh especially because we kind of just have only been a live thing ever like that's really all it is um so yeah no we didn't do do a whole lot during the pandemic we we got together and played but that was it you know so you said kind of before we we started that you know you guys are all kind of from different areas but you all met in boston talk about that experience meeting and and talk about the city itself all right um so meeting uh we met pat our bass player uh josh and i used to play in a band called nemus i've known josh the longest uh like 12 13 years at this point we used to play in a band called nemus and we played with pat and pj's old band or oh no sorry pat's old band we played with them at this this weird family festival in shrewsbury once shrewsbury is a town out by worcester in massachusetts yeah. um and I had remembered that it was like a funk band, like, you know, funk hints of jam or whatever. And when I had to put, when we had to put the band together, like, like I just described, because we got booked for a show, I, I reached out to Pat on Facebook. I'd only met him the one other time. And then uh, he got back immediately and he was like, yeah, this sounds great. Let's do it. Uh, he didn't know Radiohead really uh, almost at all. I think he said, um, but he enjoyed it. He loved fish already. Um, we had a different drummer uh, named Devin who played in a band called Gang of Thieves from Burlington. He played our very first two shows with us, um, but he lived. And at the time, we thought it was just a low commitment, uh, kind of one or one or two off project. Um, so he, he lives like two and a half hours out um, in Massachusetts, and he's a great drummer, but he couldn't you know, it's it was he couldn't get it off the ground with us at the time. Um, and then Pat introduced us to our current drummer, PJ, um, who is also amazing drummer. They've played in a bunch of projects together uh prior to this. Um and uh now PJ's down in Brooklyn, but they did play together in um I think in three or four different different projects over the years and they've been the backing, you know, the 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 bass player drummer lock in rhythm section for like a bunch of projects. Um and yeah, and then Pat also knew Derek. Pat Pat actually like ended up getting a lot of the people together. Um he like just has played with a bunch of people and knew a lot of people and and Derek we met on the day of our first show because originally I was thinking like ah this is I was like, why did we even book this? This is a total disaster. Like, <laughs> you know, it was the day of the show and I, I was stressing out about getting the album, uh, like getting all the songs from the album arranged and everything. Um, and I was like, well, Josh and I played together for years. I trust Josh. He's a violinist. We're like musical compadres. I know that I have faith in him to like comp on the keyboard parts and like, we will just do it without a keyboardist. <laughs> like whatever. And Pat was like, dude, this guy is great. I swear, like this, this keys player is awesome. He loves Radiohead. He plays in some dead tribute bands. He's gonna be good. I was like, 
all right, bring him to rehearsals. Like, sure. But like, if it doesn't work out, like the show is that night. So, you know, it, it's got to be okay if everyone says no. And then he was fucking amazing. Blew everybody away at practice and still blows everybody away every time we play. <laughs> so that's D rock for you, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Wait, how'd you know that? I guess I, I did some research, man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if I'd actually put that out anywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so like, I, this, I think this is a, a pertinent question and hopefully, uh, you know, I, you can kind of dive into this a little bit. So do you feel personally, as well as like the rest of your band, is it easier to translate Radiohead to fish or is it easier to translate fish to Radiohead? Um, our whole thing has been kind of translating Radiohead to fish because it is for the live setting and it's like more of you know the the shows and the vibe that we carry at the shows are is uh like fish heavy like okay you know so um if we were to take fish and turn it it would be i would say it would be a lot more difficult to turn fish into a radiohead style firstly because what is a radiohead style <laughs> like they have like six or seven styles like across their albums uh um, yeah i mean you really could dive into it by album you know right yeah, yeah. right exactly like and that would be i mean i th i've always so I, like someone's asked me this before kind of they're like why don't you do you know fish in the style of radiohead and i think if we were to do that maybe that would be the studio side <laughs> where you know we take <laughs> farmhouse and put it you know put it on a bunch of modular synths <laughs> or you know yeah or that, blip that it out be, or yeah like yeah the, definitely. The studio experimentation uh whereas the fish is the live experimentation yeah i i think that's actually not a bad you know like angle maybe like to to oh. go down sometime thought about it for like a uh, april fool's day <laughs> yeah. joke or something just take everything opposite yeah like an encore or something for you know a show <laughs> Right, get our <laughs> surprise little surprise, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so like, so how is Boston like? How is the music scene in Boston for like indie bands, for band, you know, for bands like you, for for up and coming bands? Like, how do you feel Boston is? You know, is it pretty? Like, are there a lot of venues that are welcoming, or is it kind of, you know, a gauntlet? Um, I think. Uh, so it's weird. Before we had fishes. <laughs> I would have said that it was more like a gauntlet and hard to break into. And also I'm, I didn't grow up in, in Boston or Massachusetts. I grew up in, in Long Island. Um, so I'm, I mean, I've been here for like 15 years, but I'm still like the least steeped in the state. Um, but in the, like just the straight up rock scene, like not the jam scene, just the rock scene that felt like there was just this old guard and probably I think still is for like no real reason. And it's just like this weird, I don't know, put the work in gatekeeper mindset, like where it's just, well, we're, we're a rowdy, dirty, loud rock club with bad sound. And that's how it is. And that's how it's going to be. And I think that probably still exists. Um, but the jam scene in Boston, Massachusetts, New England in general, I think is pretty excellent. 
um, or really excellent. Um, like we've met a lot of people uh, who are just re really great, like in promoters and bookers and sound people who want to pay attention to musicians. And it's like, it's a, it's a good scene up here. Um, like Benny Tucker, who books us here in Boston. Um, he's, he's been a, a great help and I've always, I'd, I'd heard his name and stuff for years. And then like, you know, we met him and it was like, Oh, this is great. This is a great, like, uh, work together thing, uh, team, I guess. I almost said work together thing. Connection. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so let's talk about you have kind of, you guys have come out as, as that you don't want to be labeled like a cover band or tribute band. Correct. Uh, yeah, kind of correct. I mean, we are by definition, maybe, I guess a cover band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think of us as a tribute band at all, but yeah. Well, and I think it's important, you know, like we said, and we kind of joked earlier, like labels and stuff, but I think it is important because your audience, you do want your audience to understand where you're coming from and like what your vibe is. And like, I think by establishing that, you know, I think you are really like letting your audience know that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, totally. Okay, and I think yeah. like the people who have been to a show and the people who continue to come to shows, like totally get it. Like there are like especially in Boston where we've played the most and cultivated the biggest following it's just like everyone there is in on the same bit as us which is nice you know yeah yeah i am um, i was researching trying to find you, youtube videos of your guys performances i got to watch that full performance of the show you guys did and then a couple like you know just you know one off songs and stuff um is that a focus for you guys to get more, you know, like out there so people can, you know, that, you know, haven't been able to see you live in person. Uh, yes. Um, the flip side of it, like we just did our in rainbow show here in Boston and we filmed and recorded that and uh, we'll have that hopefully on YouTube, uh, soon as well. Um, but the flip side of it, and this is also probably just me being me or like, I don't know. But uh, I think when we first got, I guess we didn't get announced, but like when we first got like our first bit of coverage, um, we definitely saw like a lot of, you know, there's like a lot of negativity and stuff on, on Facebook comments and stuff, or not a lot, but you know, an equal amount maybe. Um, yeah. The, for every person who says like, you know, these are my two favorite bands. This is awesome. There's another person who's like, this should not exist. And you just, I feel like we've kind of taken this approach with our, whatever we're putting online where it's just like, this is a possibly delicate thing. And we don't want to give anybody an inch to think it sucks. <laughs> so like if we're putting something online, we want it to be something that we're really proud of. Um, we want it to, you know, I think at this this point, there's enough out there where like we can saturate a little more and probably not and run into this risk a little less. But we were I, we were really protective of it at the at the very beginning, where I was like, you know, we're not going to put something online unless we feel like, yeah, there were there were people in the room. We got a professional video crew. We got 
the multi-track recording we mixed it properly and it all came together right um like we don't want really any output of a weird fishes show to look not great <laughs> because that would give people that little foot in the door to to yeah and uh that was probably just a that was probably just a knee-jerk reaction to seeing people be a little negative about it online but like i don't think i've heard of anyone who that's not true i, I saw i found one person on reddit who came to a show and didn't love it but otherwise everyone who's been to a show has has been just the best i think we have like i mean it's i'm probably biased because it's a cross-section of two of my favorite bands but i would say that we have like the best fans and like, or, or at least the people who are most like us <laughs> and i guess it's hard to to kind of tell but do, you know do you get an idea like per audience like who is like what side like each, each... yeah yeah we can okay like, yeah or if we can't tell from body language a lot of people like come repping their their uh their their home band or whichever one it is um and like the best thing to like look out and see when we're playing is like is like someone with like a, a piece of merch from like both bands on like there's 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 a girl i can envision who like come, who's been to i don't know probably four or five shows and and multiple times she's worn like a radiohead bear t-shirt with like a fish hoodie or like the other way around or something and it's just like all right you're like you're totally in. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, but, you know, to your point of of really wanting to put stuff out there that was, that you guys were proud of, you know, like, that's the vein of Fish and Radiohead, like, only perfection, right? I mean, like, that's, those well, two that, bands. That, at the very least, it's the vein of Radiohead. Right. <laughs> Fish is a little, op maybe opposite, where it's, you know, they put everything out, like, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I subscribe to the Live Fish app, and it's like, they... It's not even put out. It's just like if you subscribe, they're putting their multi-track mixes up an hour after the show is over. But I guess it wasn't until you said that that I just realized, like, yeah, that is the Radiohead vein completely. Like, <laughs> if it's going to take us a year to get a full show recorded on a video, we'll take it. If it's going to take them six years to make an album, they'll do it. <laughs> Which, and that's a great segue because I... It was such a treat during the pandemic that Radiohead was releasing those those shows. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, I mean, epic shows like the Glastonbury show, like the the show from '96. Um, like, yeah, yeah there's so many vault that people were like clamoring yes. for for a long time. Yes. Which you did take a page off. I looked at your website. I love the public library. <laughs> Talk about that, because most of our audience probably is not familiar with that concept. So, you know, give, give us give us a little taste of that. Uh, well, I'll zoom out for a second. Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm a. I think I told you beforehand. I'm I'm a web I'm a front end web developer, and we needed a website. And uh, this whole thing has been like a a joke that has gone further than we thought it would go. Um, so that when it came time to like have a website, I was like, all right, what's our website look like? And I was like, fish and Radiohead, fish and Radiohead's websites. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with fish or their website, but the whole website that is not the public library portion is uh, font for font, color for color, uh, a, a refactor of fish's website 
Uh, and then the public library concept for anyone who out there who doesn't know on Radiohead's website, it's basically this uh, big back catalog yeah. stash of everything that they have from all their different eras, like the merch designs from every era, um, video, you know, archives from every era, um, B-side artwork, you know, side, you know, every everything like insides of album covers. And they have it segmented in every era. Um, so on our website, we don't have nearly as much content as them, but we do have the little Weird Fishes public library section, which uh, has most show posters or merch designs or sometimes designs that never made it onto anything. Um, so that's just been a fun little little corner of our website. And I, thanks for noticing, because I don't know how many people actually notice, but if it's making me laugh, <laughs> I'm excited to put it out there. <laughs> so so do you design then the tour posters as well then, or do you have someone that does that? Uh, it's been me. Um, I'm trying to think. There's there's a couple, like, venue. sometimes venues will slap their logo on our picture or something, uh, or if I don't have the time to do it. But for better, better or worse, it's me, um, which leads to some foot dragging sometimes because it's you know or or suffering in other departments because it's like i'm probably wearing too many hats and you know it's it's not our full-time job either so but yeah all the tour posters and all the graphic design and everything that's me yeah so um let's talk about your relationship with omni arts group and emily correct yeah yeah uh how that came about you know what they do for you guys like you know and you know just that relationship cool yeah um emily vanderweel she's located in burlington vermont and she's been from my understanding booking bands for uh i think close to 20 years or something like that um and we had a mutual friend who put us in touch um and we had like a 45 minute phone conversation back in, I think, January. And then we came on and tested the waters in. She booked, I think her the first days she booked for us were in March of this past year. Um, and then she booked us through the, you know, the spring and the summer. And then our recent fall runs out to um, Chicago and Cincinnati and stuff. And then also now our, uh, our, upcoming weekend in uh, Burlington and Albany. And the funny thing is we actually played, we did this weekend, same routing, like last February, we did Burlington, Albany uh, at Nectar's and Lark Hall, the same two venues, um, both great venues. And that time it was booked. It was actually our, our buddy, Benny Tucker here in Boston, who booked it, um, who is excellent, like around here. And even working with Emily, I've, we uh i asked her i was like can benny still take care of boston stuff because he knows this scene and then it turned out that emily and her partner matt and benny all, all know each other anyways so i was like okay great so there's no weird bad blood here because i don't want anyone to feel like i don't know we just like you know used them up and got to this next thing or whatever jumped around um but yeah so far it's been great we've been adjusting as a band to like you know work on our scheduling is probably like the hardest thing uh, at the moment because everyone 
like two of our guys are musicians full-time josh and derek um so like wedding season fall is like you know sometimes those things get booked years in advance or like anything that takes like precedence it's like hard to find dates that work for everybody all the time um but it's been a cool transition working with emily um and it's been great so far and we're we're looking forward to uh more of it do you feel like that is the biggest challenge that you guys have as a band is just managing the work like you know like the work band you know kind of balance yeah yeah managing period i think yeah. <laughs> is where we're where it's the hardest um yeah there's that's i think that's probably the hardest thing in most any band i guess or well we have the luxury of not toiling in the studio over albums because i guess that could that's that kills a lot of bands too i think <laughs> well just the cost of it yeah i mean I, you know all yeah. these bands that i've talked to you know in the past two years since doing this podcast and you know i i focus mostly on up-and-coming bands so you know the struggles like it you know it back in the day you were able to go in the studio record an album and then tour behind that album and now it's the complete opposite you have to like tour then go in the studio then yep. record and still tour while you're doing it because you can't afford the studio time like it's yeah it's tough like it's really really tough you know so but anyway um so the from a fish perspective uh, you know were you excited about the sphere show announcement is that something that you personally are going to try and attend or it's too much uh it would be awesome to go. <laughs> I put in the lottery. I put in a lottery request. Um, but it's uh, probably going to be one of the toughest tickets to get ever uh, for a fish show. So we'll see. We'll see how the actual like Ticketmaster on sale goes. Um, but I'm not going to pay like StubHub prices for a ticket. <laughs> um, but you know, me and my girlfriend would love to go. <laughs> so hopefully something goes, goes our direction. It, it's funny because when we saw the announcement, my girl, I said to my girlfriend, I said, you know, I said, as much as that would be amazing, like I'm going to hold out until Radiohead plays there. And like, oh, that's gonna... recently said that as well. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if that, that, like, that's going to be the first band that I see at the sphere, like, or Pearl Jam. I think that would be my only other, uh, my other only other band but <laughs> i don't know if they would do the sphere they kind of super hate Ticketmaster and live nation and they kind of own the sphere well no or msg I, owns the sphere yeah msg <laughs> and pearl jam has a really good relationship with ms like he, they played msg many many times over the years so i i actually think that that could happen um but you know we'll see so um what do you think about the smile man as a band uh, I love it. Um, I think it's great. Uh, the only song that I haven't liked is the newest single. Um, and that, and haven't liked is even strong to say. I just didn't like it as much as I, I really liked their album. And I really loved Bending Hectic, the first single from the upcoming album. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I think their first album sounded like uh, just a perfect marriage of in rainbows and moonshade pool which were like two of which are two of my favorites 
Um, so yeah, it's great. And I saw him live and that was, that was awesome too. <laughs> How about you? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. I, um, I have always been a, um, champion of more Johnny. Yeah. And so I no, I, I, I have not. And I, it, it pains me that I did not get, I should have seen them in Philly this when they played in Philly, but I did not. Uh, the Forest Hills show I heard was amazing. Was that the show you went to? No, I, I would have liked to go to that one too. Um, yeah. That's a cool venue. I've been to that venue, uh, I guess just once before, and it's a cool, cool venue. It sounds good. Yeah. Uh, but no, I saw them at at, at Roadrunner here in Boston. In Boston. Yeah. W- was that the opening night of the tour? I don't. Was Boston the opening? Or was that like that run? Was that the opening night? I don't think so. I feel I want to say they they played one show before it. Okay, but it was definitely like in the beginning of the run, right? Yeah, it was in the beginning. And then a lot of people get routed this way where it's Boston and then like a date or two in New York. Like I think people come here on the the third the Wednesday and then they go there for the Thursday, Friday or the bigger thing. Um or something like that but wait now you got me thinking because i want to look it up and see <laughs> and see when that setlist.fm brother <laughs> you might be right if it... i don't know this is the other tour was that 2022 that they toured then yeah it must have been yeah it wouldn't have been last year yeah i yeah i misspoke so let's talk about like 2024 man what what do we what do your fans like what does our audience have to expect like for live shows for you guys like do you have anything that that's concrete or booked um yeah so we have a bunch of february dates that are uh getting finalized uh and then in our next big boston play which our whole thing kind of centers around like the boston shows right now because that's those are the biggest ones those are the ones we space out and kind of like that's where our that's where our home vibe is um we're playing with uh, Prince Bowie on, not Prince and Bowie, but there's a there's a band called Prince Bowie. I don't know if you know them. Um, they do great covers of uh, Prince and David Bowie. Um, and it's um, like kind of a rotating cast of musicians with like a, some of them are, are they play every time. Um, but Eric Gould from Pink Talking Fish, he puts it together. Um, and we actually played with them once before uh and it's the the horn section from turquoise as part of it um mm. and they're or formerly from turquoise right yeah um, and i think now they're in a band called cool 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 and they're a great great horn section um they play with them frequently adrian from the breakfast and kung fu is drumming with them um so we're playing with them sorry all of that to say we're playing with them at uh at the sinclair which is a yeah. You know, mid mid-sized venue here in Boston. That's an exciting um play for us. Um and it kind of seems like it goes this way where we do like headlining show, opening slot in Boston, larger headlining slot show, opening slot again, um, larger headlining show, hopefully following that. And it seems to work out where we can kind of you know get some people that way. Um, so that's what the Boston or Northeast people can look forward to. And then for you guys, um, we're 
hoping to make our way down to Philly in either later March or early April. Um, we'd like to do, or I think we're looking at doing Philly and DC um, in a little run. Um, a lot of people have asked for us to come down to the eight by 10 or recommended that as a spot. Yep. In Baltimore. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not DT, DC, Baltimore. Yep. No. And, and yeah, maybe we can get you, you know, that gig, like if you're on that run, maybe we can get you something up in in our area too. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, You're not Philly, I guess, right? Or you are. Yeah. We're an hour and a half West of Philly and an hour and a half North of Baltimore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But you're still so only two and a half to New York. Two and a half to New York. Yeah. Up great. 78, man. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, smile. It was Providence. That's where they played before here. Ah, <laughs> uh, that makes sense. Actually. Yes. You're right. I remember because I was looking at StubHub to see like what tickets were like for that, like for the opening show. And I do remember it was Providence. You're right. Yeah, have you yeah. ever, have you ever seen a show at that venue in Providence? Uh, I have played at that venue in Providence. Oh, sweet. Um, nice. Okay. Yeah, it was actually really cool. Uh, not uh, with this with this band or any band, really. Uh, Josh, good segue to talk about other musicians. Um, yeah. Josh, our violinist, he writes um, some great music, great originals. Josh Knowles, if anyone wants to look him up, Josh Knowles music. Um, he writes great like violin-based I don't want to say, I don't want to say pop. It's poppier, but like you know, it's still experimental and electronic and really cool stuff. Um, I I'm a little biased because one, I'm his friend, and two, I produced it and mixed it. Um, but his uh, last album, the Providence Ballet, um, the uh, one of the choreographers choreographed a whole piece, a whole act of a show to his music. Um, So we uh, performed, the two of us performed, and it was like a more experimental piece, like ballet piece. It was, uh, you know, not obviously not classical, Um, but their big vision for it was that they wanted us to be like on the stage, like with the dancers. Um, So there's, we're not dancing, but like, you know, on the, on the stage, like, that would have been oh, something special. That would have been that would have been a, a lack of vision. Um <laughs> uh, but like yeah, so we we actually did uh six I think six shows at the Vets uh Veterans Memorial Auditorium in Providence. Um which was which was awesome. Yeah. And we did a and that was actually that was right before the pandemic. That was in February of 2020 um so that was that was right before there and then right after the pandemic we did more dates with them in providence um not at the vets but at a at another venue but yeah so it's funny you asked about that venue <laughs> so um uh, yeah we got a couple more questions for you so let's get to i want to talk about fish because we've kind of talked enough about radiohead so i have seen trey i've seen fish you know, what do you like about each iteration of, of each band? Cool. Um, well, like I think has come across so far, I'm obviously 
I play guitar and sing in Weird Fishes, so I'm a musician and a guitarist. Um, and then also I mentioned like I have produced for Josh. Uh, I missed our podcast last night because I was in a session. Uh, so I'm obviously I have passion for recording studio um, and that side of things. And I think for me, like that intersection is, you know, pretty clear. Um, what I actually like about what each of them are doing in those areas is, I mean, I think Trey's an obviously an excellent guitarist. Um, and he's probably, you know, it's one of my, probably my favorite guitarist, one of my favorite guitarists. Um, and what's super inspirational about Fish the first thing that was super inspirational to me about fish when I was like reading about them before I really knew anything about them at all, um, was how committed they were to a single event. Like, I think the first thing I read was I read about big Cypress and I was like, uh, which is their, their big new year's show in, uh, 1999 for, uh, the millennium show where they played overnight. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, um, and I thought that that was like, I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's wild. That's crazy. They played all night. That's cool. And I think at the same, I think I was on this tear of like looking at like records or something. Cause I had also, I, I have a memory at the same time reading about the flaming lips recording their 24 hour song, uh, seven and skies or something like that. Do you know about that? No, no. Well, flaming I know Yoshimi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great record too. <laughs> Well, Flaming Lips is another band that like loves their bits. Like <laughs> I like uh and one of their things was that they recorded a, an album that was 24 hours long. And then one of Fish's big things, I think I think I was looking at like largest concerts, you know, same kind of brain category. And I stumbled across an article that was like largest millennial gathering, um, or millennium gathering. And that was uh that was Fish's big cypress. And then you know, down the rabbit hole a little bit. Uh, just the amount of preparation and production and like insane production that they'll put in for one show, like a Halloween show or a New Year's show or one special event or probably the sphere coming, sphere coming up. Like, it's like the amount of production that they put in for a, a night on Halloween is the amount of production that like a band would put in for an entire like stadium tour. And that was, that's super inspirational. Um, that's something that continues to be super inspirational. Um, as opposed to, you know, just getting me into the band and now I'm in like, that's something that I still always, uh, think of and like remember, um, or try to keep, try to remember, try to keep in mind. Um, like even for our, do I have anything lying around? For our shows, like we did this little like, fish used to in the nineties. They did a WPTBM tickets. They did you know by or sorry they did PTBM tickets, fish tickets yeah. by mail where you know you could enter the lottery and have the tickets sent to you, and they continued to do that up until like I think like a year ago, and that's you know just because they did away with the paper side of it. They still do their request period and everything. So like for our show, we we did a WPTBM, whereas Weird Fish's tickets by mail, and uh, I think we start. I started that in Feb. The our our last Boston February show because I it was our first Ticketmaster venue, and the fees were like ten ten or twelve dollars for like a twenty dollar ticket, and I was just like oh, this 
one, this sucks. And two, I'm scared that like people will get mad or just not come. <laughs> so, yeah. so, and that, so I was like, it would it be too much work to do something like, like just to avoid that. And then I was like, no, like fish puts that kind of work in like a lot. Like they put that kind of effort in a lot. Um, so Ticketmaster allowed you to do that. What's up? Ticketmaster allowed you to do that. Well, no, that's where the work comes in. <laughs> we uh, we put the <laughs> we put the web page up, and this is why we only do it in our, for our Boston shows. Is we put the we put the web page up, and we added it to our like uh, our Shopify, or people could just Venmo the van directly, um, and then a week or two before the show, since we live in Boston, I just go to the box office buy the tickets without fees because I'm at the box office and then <laughs> scan their or actually type the barcodes in uh, and regenerate the barcodes and print them back out on our own tickets and then mail them out to everybody. And then they have like a nice keepsake. <laughs> that's crazy. But that's a great that's idea. One, that's one of the things where it's like, why the fuck am I doing this work? And then you're like, wait, like ah, they put the work in on for their big events. So I can put the work in for, for, for our big events too. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a, I think it's a worthwhile cause, right? <laughs> it was, it is. I wish we could do it for like, uh, for other places <laughs> like our Nectar show or Albany show. Cause it's fun, but then it also hopefully makes like people in Boston feel special too. So. You know, I, there, I think what I like about fish and like, you know, Trey is, you know, like as you know, with the trio and and you know, with Hartswick and all of them, is like it's still danceable, but for two completely different experiences and two completely different like sounds. Like like fish but, in itself. Trey versus fish. Trey correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like I still have no problem dancing to either one of those you know, iterations, but it's a completely different sound, you know. And yeah. that's really cool, you know. Like I don't think there's too many bands out there that can, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, um, Tom York has no problem dancing to 15th Step <laughs> with his that's maracas. A sight to see, isn't it? So he can dance to anything too, I guess. <laughs> so, have you ever met either any of the band members in Fish or Radiohead in person? No. Okay. Uh, our drummer met Phil Selway. I think okay, not because they're both drummers, but just because he was at a Phil Sully show. Um, but no, that'd be pretty cool to meet one of them <laughs> or any of them. <laughs> Colin at our local bowling alley. He was with his wife, um, and his wife is actually from Lancaster, and so they celebrate the holidays every other year. And so he was there with his kids. You broke up for a second, but you, did you say Colin? Colin, Colin yeah. married someone from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yes. Yep. Great. And so he is, uh, he is two boys. Uh, luckily I had my, um, King of Limb CD in my car and it was the <laughs> cardboard one. You know, if you remember, like that's how it was released. Right. And so he signed it, like said, you know, to Chad, the best Radiohead fan in the world, you know, thanks <laughs> for being a fan. Like, it, yeah, it was awesome. And grab it. Yep, man. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. awesome. Like, and he he introduced me to his family, introduced me to his kids. Like, oh, really affable. Cool. Yeah, he was a really really nice guy. And like, I was losing my shit. Like, I was like, 
because we're bowling with my kids next to him. <laughs> like I'm looking over and I'm like, man, that sure looks like Colin but, Brady. Like, what the, but like it can't be because I'm bowling in Pennsylvania. <laughs> right. Yep. And then I looked up at his name, you know, because like obviously like the bowling screen has their name and it said <laughs> Colin. And I'm like, yep, that's him. That's really funny. Yeah. It's also a spot where like if you were a big noticeable celebrity, you you would I don't know if you'd think to not put your real name at the bowling alley. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> right. you'd probably forget like maybe like Justin Bieber. Well, he probably has his own bowling alley, but like you know, it's like um you know, kind of celebrity like that. It's like he probably doesn't even think twice about putting it up there, but that's really funny. That's awesome. Have you seen dad. Him he could have just put dad. <laughs> Right, that's true too. Yeah, I could put dad. No, I've not seen him since, but uh it was yeah, and that was like uh eight years. I think it was like 2015 or 2014 that happened. So it's been a while, but yeah, I, I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. So let's wrap it up, man. So um so Sorry, yeah, I went on too many tangents. <laughs> oh no, absolutely, man. I, this is I hope you had as much fun as I did. So um, so yeah, so like what when you started this this year, like when you started 2023 and you were like, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what we want to do as a band. Do you feel like on December 5th, you were able to do that this year? Well, in January of this year, we were hyper-focused on arranging all the songs for Kid A because our show is February 3rd. So... I don't know that I had any goals past that show at that point. <laughs> and that show went off without a hitch and super fantastic. And we got the video from it and it sounded good. And people came out and had a great time. And all the arrangements came together with, you know, some of our, our favorite mashup arrangements. Oh, we didn't even get into what the, what that is. <laughs> some of our favorite arrangements are, are, uh, are from that show and from the from January of this year. So that was the goal we had for the for, at that point of this year, and we delivered on that, and that went great. And then we had uh, our our next show is this past uh, two or three weeks ago. We did in Rainbows, and I think we had uh, not double, but like almost double the amount of people there at that show. So that went great too um so yeah it's been a, it's been a good year um and i guess just to get into something you asked about earlier and then we started talking and then something i kind of just touched on now mashup band versus tribute band versus cover band yeah. uh we did we have two kind of steadfast rules <laughs> rules um for our like arrangements and one is that no radiohead song can stay the same it has to be completely rearranged in some way um it has to be it has to be rearranged and no fish song can not be attached to a radiohead song <laughs> so yep. nothing can stay the same we're not ever gonna send out a set list and be like all right learn creep everybody learn creep all right we're gonna play it it's like no, it has to be it has to be rearranged in some way for a live setting, and then it's on the other side. It's not going to be like, all right, now we're going to play sample in a jar, only, and that's it. It's just like okay, it has to be like something has to segue into the fish song, 
and something rearranged has to segue into the fish song um so that's and i i think if you listen to some of our arrangements you know some of them don't even sound like the radiohead song until you hear like the vocals come in or something but like there are little musical teases and everything throughout it but like that's why we kind of shy away from tribute band because when i think tribute band i think like a poster that's like note for note recreation of dark side of the moon and that's cool too but that's like not at all what we're aiming for yeah so so as a guitarist in this band what is it about trey what is it about johnny and how hard is it to emulate both of them as guitarists uh it's hard to emulate trey because he can shred <laughs> or you know at in his in his best moments he's you know just a phenomenal shredder and he had has had some really great chops um but on the other side of that with trey he's also extremely 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 patient which comes i think with one he's probably his personality and his playing style but two experience and not getting ever ever getting to the point where it's like all right this is getting old let me like peak this jam and move on like he's almost never you know doing that and when you have less experience you know at, at, at a large level um than he does it's harder to like stay in that zone and stay patient and uh you know not just like rip it <laughs> and not that i can necessarily rip it the way that he does but like uh you know it's sometimes it's hard not to just 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 go for it and that's something that i think all of us definitely work on like show to show we try to like we usually say like all right let's let's try to like let's try to reside more in like the like five to six funk space before blasting it off into like nine to 10 uh, like rock space. Um, and that's always like the challenge is like staying in that, that groove for longer. Um, that's the biggest challenge about emulating Trey or fish for me in general. Uh, and then I'm not really trying to emulate Johnny. Um, right. Cause it is doing, yeah, you're doing fish interpretation technically in the style of fish, but which doesn't say I don't like Johnny's playing because I think his playing is awesome. Um, right. And the challenge, if I were to emulate Johnny, which like I've you know learned some of his parts and stuff, the challenge really isn't in playing so much as having the patience to sit down and program your pedal board um, like effectively and consistently. Uh, I have a couple like patches on my board down. Well, here's my my little pedal boards down here, but nice. not little. It's my it's my big pedal board. Yeah. Um, but I have a couple patches on the amplitude pedal up the green one up top, the delay pedal that are uh, like Johnny type presets. Are you a, you're a guitarist? No, not at all. Just okay. just a lover of music, man. Not not a musician. <laughs> Johnny's one of Johnny's big favorite trick across multiple albums um, is like a delay, like you know, you know, delay the mm -hmm. effect delay. Bop, bop. Um, Johnny's big like favorite trick is like a delay that's slower 
than you would think. So if he's playing at like this tempo, his delay would be set to like, bop, 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 right. you know, like slower. Almost and, syncopated. Yeah, slower. Yeah. But then his big trick is that he sets it to one repeat a lot of times. Um, so like if he hits a note, it's like bop, bop, and that's it. But then in between, he's playing. He'll play like another note. So he'd actually play like bop, bop, you know, and then like. The, yeah. he lets the delay fill in the gap and a lot of times it sounds like he's like doing crazy intricate picking techniques and patterns um when really he's he's not he's like laser focused just playing like a couple quarter notes but his delay he, his parts are written around the delay yeah uh, and so like if i were to say a challenge about emilian johnny it would be the the sit down and the the patience of of writing those parts around and programming the parts to be written around kind of. Gotcha. Well, man, this has been great. Present tense is a good example of, of that trick. Yes, absolutely, man. So you, you said about Moonshape Pool um, and in Rainbows, what, what are you, what is your favorite album from Radiohead? Do you have a favorite or is it, or is that impossible to ask? Uh, No, I, I, my favorite is Moonshape Pool. Moonshape Pool. I really love it. I think it's I think it's everything that they've worked for uh all come together in one. Um I think I think in Rainbows is up there. Um, but it's really not that hard for me to answer with Moonshade Pool. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> unfortunately it's the last thing that they've done. <laughs> yeah. But it, but but hopefully, fortunately, it's not the last thing that they will do. Yeah. Well, I just saw, yeah, Phil, I guess, uh, was interviewed and said that it sounds like the, the pot's stirring, you know, that maybe after the after the Smiles tour in, in Europe, I guess, that they might try and yeah get the horses back together. So hopefully. I feel like hopefully. every once in a while, once a year, one of them says that in an interview and then it's like <laughs> and then a bunch yeah. of other things pop up. Yeah. But Ed's album is awesome, by the way. Did you listen to the EOB album? I have it. It's and even and I love Phil Selway's stuff. Like I, he's just I love his voice. Like I love the vibe that he kind of like, you know, yeah. like it's very, you know, just like with Radiohead. Like as soon as you hear it, like you you know it's you know, so yeah, I, I'm, yeah, they're just all super talented, man. Like it's all it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, but, they're great. So do you feel are is are there any bands out there? that you feel like can at some point maybe take the crown of either one of Radiohead or Fish? Oh, I don't think that there has to be. No, okay. <laughs> I think they're both as big as they are because they have resided in their own space and they've carved out their own space. And I mean, Radiohead isn't really the king of any scene. They're kind of just... Yeah. the kings of you know people just say you know they're the kings and they're they are what they are and it's there's no scene underneath them because they're unique right. and fish you know they there's the jam scene but like they're not part of the jam scene really like they they are a scene that <laughs> like they're the fish it's the fish world is not the same as bonnaroo <laughs> and or anything and i feel like radiohead more and more is kind of the same thing where it's just like both bands are 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 their own scene so i don't think there's really a crown 
to be passed and do I think other bands could achieve either one's level of success of course um but I don't know that there needs to be a crown at all yeah like that answer that's a good answer so what like so yeah I mean talk about like what is it about the northeast that is just this huge hotbed for like the jam scene what like what is it (laughs) You know, like, have you ever thought about that? Like, it really yeah. is. It's it is. It's the birthplace almost. And I guess yeah. fish has something to do with that. But I mean, you know, well, Grateful Dead has California, right? I think it's just probably proximity of cities. Like, it's jam scene relies on, or not relies on, but a big part of the jam scene is following a band around, seeing multiple shows, multiple nights of a week, um, because you know the fun of part of the fun of a jam band is that they're mixing it up and playing different set lists every night uh and i think the northeast probably makes it pretty easy to to do that so maybe it's a that we're in a place where it's easy for people to uh, do that and appreciate it like and and understand that aspect of it and maybe the same thing in california where it's like there's a couple cities there and grateful i i'm not really much of a dead uh, grateful dead person but like i know that they're they're a big thing and they started a big thing and you know i'm sure sure it just has has to do with some proximity of cities and having people follow you around from from one to one but yeah around here it's fish definitely i mean new york city too is is a big hotbed for that yeah it's funny too because you know i told you like earlier like i hadn't really gotten to fish until about five years ago i i was a lot more familiar with the grateful dead you know way before that um and i you know i appreciate both but you know i think to your point I, i'm more of a fish fan as well but that's not to say anything you know negative about the grateful dead it's just who you connect with right but um it is it is very similar though if you look back like on the grateful dead scene and now like you see the fish scene there are more similarities or similarities than there are differences you know yeah um, and i think that's in the scene you know, like the music i've never really understood the connection because i don't think the music sounds anything like <laughs> but sorry i didn't mean to cut you off <laughs> yeah no 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 i no i don't no go with that tangent i like that go ahead finish your thought that was that was the whole thought <laughs> I, just, yeah, I, I just don't i think for a long before i listened to fish i thought that i thought i envisioned what they sounded like to be what the grateful dead actually sounds like you know like fish is like they have these crazy compositions and shreddy moments and uh like through composed sections that are rooted in like avant-garde jazz and things like that and they're doing things that you know the members of the grateful dead like you know physically probably couldn't pull off or play like in their prime which no offense they were good at something else um but like for a long time yeah when i just and was in high school and like i you know, fish was like the pot band like i just thought like oh yeah they're just playing three chords and noodling over them and it's like it's the opposite of that it's like they're playing like compositions and then imp- improvising like truly improvising like you know passages over them <laughs> and the you know and grateful dad isn't noodling either i think they work toward their own style of peak but i didn't it's just never really resonated with me or been my thing. Yeah. So you yeah, said you've seen you've seen fish over 50 times. When was your first show? And how old were you? 
it, it wasn't that long ago, honestly. Awesome. <laughs> uh, like 2017 around there. And I, wow. and yeah, so I would have liked for it to be sooner. I'm, uh, I'm sad that I slept on the scene for as long as I did. Um, and then I tried to see them in 2015, but my band at the time had like, sh I had shows when I would have gone to see them. I wanted to go to Worcester and I want to go to Mag Magnaball, but, um, but I was playing with a band that really wasn't in the jam scene at all. And the jam scene being in the jam scene now, it's like things kind of grind to a halt of fishes around you because unless you're playing an after party, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you're trying to book shows, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so I, I saw them late. I, I got, I got there late too, but anytime I go see them, it's usually for multiple nights now. So it's just easy to do a bunch. Yeah. Well, and that's a good segue because one of your first shows as well was, fish after uh, fish after party correct one of ours yeah uh yeah yeah or in our first year yeah that was some of our first like i i didn't think of it as a bigger thing at the time or a larger audience uh, but yeah we played after they played at fenway park we did both nights um and at the time i thought you know like oh i hope people show up and then it was like oh we're relieved that people showed up and I didn't really think about how many people showed up because they were free shows. So we didn't really have ticket sales or anything. Um, but more and more over time, when people say that they've seen us before, uh, it seems to have been at those shows a lot. Of, like that was a route for a lot of people, um, which has been, it's cool to hear that after the fact and think like, oh, that, you know, sometimes you don't realize who, like how, if, if there's a lot of people in the room, because that's great. You know, they were there, but yeah, that was, I feel like looking back, that might've been one of the first like little marks we made on the Boston scene. Yeah. I actually got to see, I actually got to see a, a concert at, at Fenway park. Uh, I got to see Pearl jam labor day weekend, two nights, oh, okay. uh, 2018. So, oh, cool. uh, yeah, it was, it was good a good seats. time. Huh? Good, good seats. I hope. Yeah, we were, um, we were like, basically like you know press box area for night one and then we were like infield night two so it was oh, those nice, press, nice. the press box seats actually i were actually enjoyed those seats better than the infield seats where, is like, the, was, where are the press box seats are those like directly seats? center i mean you were directly center stage yeah because okay. like they shot you know because you were in the center you know they played in center field so yeah 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 was, i've only seen i've seen fish there twice and then the only other concert I've seen there was the Foo Fighters. Nice. Um, and both times I remember it being really weird that like, and just thinking about from the band's perspective, it's weird that the infield is just this like this energy moat where it's just like, it's just, there's no, there's nobody there. It's like people on the field and it must be weird for the band to play out. And it's like, everyone's kind of far away. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Cause you can't, you can't go on home plate. Right. Right. Exactly. It's sacred ground. Right. <laughs> well good stuff man well so again thank you so much for doing this um best of luck the rest of the year um happy holidays all that stuff and uh yeah man if you get down to pennsylvania next spring you'll be the first come, to know we will come see you man definitely definitely you'll be the first to know <laughs> i appreciate that man alex thank you so much ladies and, and gentlemen absolutely um yeah this has been great I've been dog. 
You guys have been great. This is Alex. I'm the Music Lab Podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let me stop the recording. Hold on a second. Sure thing. Dude.